Welcome to Fear the Feathers, your uncensored Chicago Blackhawks podcast. Uh, lots to go over tonight. Uh, we're going to go over tonight's game uh, between the Chicago Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, we're going to talk about the trade that Stan Bowman made for uh, Tomas uh, Yurko. We're going to talk a little bit about the trade uh, that Minnesota made tonight, as well as uh, the trade the Los Angeles Kings made. Uh, and we're going to have another mini rant uh, on the blog sphere, Twitter sphere, uh, whatever you want to call it on uh, social media. So uh, let's start with uh, the game. Um, Blackhawks again uh, played very well. Uh, not as good as in games past. Uh, they had some kind of uh, bad, bad plays um, all around uh, on certain at certain points in the game. Um, let's go through the stat lines first. Uh, so shots on goal, Blackhawks outshot St. Louis 42-32. to St. Louis, uh, this is the first time this has happened in Chicago in a while, won the face-offs uh, 55% to Chicago's 45 Both teams went 1-for-2 on the power play. Uh, St. Louis out-hit Chicago 24-20. to uh, and Chicago had the favor and almost an even again block shot category of 16-14. Uh, the numbers, Scott Darling started tonight, and all I can say is thank God. I don't wish anyone ill, except in this case with Corey Crawford. So it's nice to see Scott Darling get to play against a good team. It's also nice to see that he performed very well. Uh, to those at Blackhawk Up on Twitter that think a 906 save percentage is a great game, uh, that Corey Crawford produced the other night. Well, let's look at tonight's statistics. And Scott Darling uh, saved 30 out of 32 shots for a 938 save percentage and almost a full 60 minutes of on-ice time tonight. Uh, he was on the ice for 59 minutes and 26 seconds. Um, individually, uh, the top line of Jonathan Taves, Nick Schmaltz, and Richard Ponick again produced... Jonathan Dave, Ch- Taves, excuse me guys, uh, got his 16th goal tonight. Nick Schmaltz picked up his 11th assist. Richard Ponick picked up his 17th assist, uh, which extends uh, Ponick's uh, point streak to six games. Um, Patrick Kane picked up his 24th of the year. He uh, has taken sole possession of the goal lead for the Blackhawks. Uh, Taves picked up his 30th assist on that, with Keith uh, also picking up his 37th. Um, then St. Louis kind of started to come on. Magnus Pavari, the former Edmonton Oiler 10th uh, overall selection, uh, scored his 4th. Uh, I believe they mentioned he was just called up today, or uh, not today, but a couple games ago. Uh, Alex Petrangelo picks up his ninth in the second period uh, from Perron. And Berglund. Um, going back to the first uh, goal uh, for St. Louis, I want to talk about this. A lot of people on Twitter were bashing, blaming Trevor Van Riemsdyk for falling down uh, at his own uh, blue line. Uh, problem is, is uh, people seem to forget that Trevor Van Riemsdyk has had an amazing 
season this year. Um, it seems anyone not named Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, or Nicholas Jarmelson uh, that's on defense sucks, according to most Blackhawk fans. And I think uh, that's that's a that's a I think a, a indication that the beat writers are having kind of a, a you know a look in as to what the bad reporting has done to Chicago fans. That you know a guy that played twenty minutes and thirty four seconds tonight, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, a guy that's really only in his second full season in Chicago is playing 20 minutes a game, says quite a bit about his development, says quite a bit about Quenville's uh, trust in him. And to Blackhawk Up and uh, the other fans on Twitter uh, that I noticed tonight that were uh, comparing TVR to Nick Letty and saying that Nick Letty rode the pine, you guys have no fucking clue what you're talking about. I don't know if you didn't watch... uh, the 20, was it 2013-14 seasons, 25th, yeah, those seasons, 2013 and uh, 2014 when Nick Letty was on the team uh, before he was traded to New York. Uh, that remains one of the worst trades uh, that Stan Bowman did, and, and you know, actually interesting, it's one of the best trades he ever made, trading Cam Barker to the Minnesota Wild for Nick Letty. And then, conversely, it's one of the worst trades he's made, sending Nicoletti to the New York Islanders for um, Paca, who has yet to play a game in the NHL. So for those of uh, you that tried to make that comparison on Twitter, shame on you. You need to watch the games more um, and stop paying attention to people like he who shall not be named on Twitter. Uh, so stop, stop trashing TVR guys. He's a, he's an amazing player. Uh, it's going to be a shame that he's probably going to be the guy picked by Las Vegas in the expansion draft, uh, and the, uh, anointed one, uh, to, as some people in the Chicago media like to say, uh, Marcus Kruger was benched for pretty much the entire third period tonight. Uh, let's look at Kruger's numbers. Let's see what he did tonight. Uh, so Kruger played 9 minutes and 53 seconds tonight. He played the least. Uh, the only forward who played less than Marcus Kruger tonight was Andrew Dujardin. And Andrew Dujardin at least contributed 4 hits out of the Blackhawks. A uh, total of 20. So it was nice to see. I'm surprised Rasmussen sat, to be honest. Uh, that was an interesting move. Obviously, uh, I think Desjardins took his place because uh, it was. I think it was pretty obvious that the Blackhawks were going to get uh, Tomas Yurko in the game tonight. He played 12 minutes and 44 seconds tonight. Um, yeah, Nick Schmaltz's minutes continue to go up, uh, 15-46. Uh, let's see, Panner, Ponick had 14-49. Um, Ryan Hartman had 13 minutes tonight, uh, was on the ice at the end of the game. Big minutes for him. Uh, Hosa picked up his uh, assist tonight, like I said. Uh, he had 16 minutes. Caro picked up a goal, the empty net goal he got in. It's quite a few uh, minutes uh, as Kruger was benched. So 
All in all, another good game by Chicago. Um, talking about the second goal, uh, Artem Anisimov is getting the credit. Uh, I haven't gotten to the last two goals yet, um, but uh, he had a not in my opinion, even though he had the game-winning goal tonight, he had a not-so-well game. Um, he went on a rush on their second goal. Before the, the uh, Blues got possession into the Chicago zone, he went on a rush uh, into the St. Louis zone on the power play to kill time, dumped it in, which was almost a direct pass to, I don't remember who it was, it was... Uh, Somebody on St. Louis, uh, they came rushing back. Anisimov was at that point, because of that initial play, behind the play now and came rushing back. And then I believe it was um, Perron basically just kind of bumped him off the play, made space, and then Petrangelo got his uh, ninth goal of the season. And then... Uh, Panarin again, who pretty much was missing the entire game again tonight, um, made a pretty slick pass to Anisimov for Anisimov's 22nd goal. Kane picked up his 41st assist. Uh, the assist for Panarin was his 36th. And then, of course, uh, Caro got his fifth goal of the season. Um, second empty netter. Hosa picking up the 16th assist, and Seabrook his 27th. Um, so. You know, overall, the Blackhawks, I think, had two, two maybe three bad shifts uh, tonight. Um, two of those resulted in goals. Uh, the, the goal given up, I want to go back the, to the first goal where TVR um, fell at the blue line. Uh, that was a bad goal given up by Scott Darling. Um, Darling recovered the rest of the game. He made... Uh, as if you were watching the broadcast, uh, Darling made three point-blank uh, saves on uh, Stashny. In fact, two were post-to-post. -post. Those are saves, my friends, that Corey Crawford would not have moved. Corey Crawford is nowhere near as agile as uh, Scott Darling is. Um, so for the sympathizers of Crawford out there... Uh, you, you, you saw what Darling is and was tonight, um, and I, I'm, I'm really happy he got the start tonight. Hopefully it's earned him another uh, start against Pittsburgh on Wednesday. I believe that's the Blackhawks' next game. So, uh, you know, all across the board, guys, tonight the Blackhawks played well. Um, they put up four goals again. Uh, this is the... Seventh or eighth, I think, game in a, in a row. The Blackhawks have scored four goals or more. Um, the offense is there. They put two on the board right away in the first. Um, you know, the Blackhawks, I, I think the one thing I'm concerned about right now, more than anything, is the line of Anisimov, Kane, and Panarin. I, and I think it's it has more to... Anisimov... You know, like I said, had a bad game tonight, I think. But what troubles me the most is Panarin. Panarin has almost disappeared um, since his contract. I'm going to pull up Panarin's uh, statistics here for a second. So, uh, in his last five games, Panarin has four points. So, uh, 
You know, that's not too horrible. He's had an assist in the last two games. Uh, none of those five points, or excuse me, four points in five games are goals. So it's been a while since he's actually scored. Um, he's sitting at 55 points in 62 games. Uh, unless he picks it up, he may not even match last year's uh, total, which was 77. Uh, he's currently 22 points away from that, so uh, he's got 20 games left. He's going to have to have basically a point per game and a couple multiple point per games uh, to catch his pace from last season. Um, you know, I again, I, I think the Blackhawks are on a roll. Um with the win tonight, they're, they're one point behind Minnesota. Uh, for those of you that will remember two Minnesota Wild games ago, uh, I believe in our initial review of Fear the Feathers, actually, our very first podcast, I said uh, that shootout, or not shootout, overtime win, rather, uh, would play paramount, and it has right here. We're already seeing the effects of that absolutely horrific officiating from that game. Because if that uh, boneheaded, uh, terrible officiating had never happened, the Blackhawks would be tied with the Minnesota Wild for first place in the Western Conference right now, uh, with the Wilds three games in hand. Um, so that that I I have a really bad feeling, guys. That that's gonna that that fucking game is gonna it's it's gonna come back and it's it's gonna be a black eye on the NHL. Um, when we get to the end of the season, the Blackhawks have, I believe, 20 games left. Now, I think they, tonight was game 62, so uh, there's there's 20 games left in the regular season. The Wild have 23 left. Uh, one of those is against the Hawks, so we'll see uh, how it's all going to shake out. Uh, I really hope the Blackhawks uh, don't finish one point behind Minnesota. Um, if they do, there's going to be a lot of talk about that game um so let's get to the trades um we've talked briefly about the thomas yurko trade that bowman made i think it was i don't agree with the move uh i i think you've got a guy like uh henestroza that could be playing you've got tutu you've got Desjardins. uh now rasmussen set tonight there's plenty of guys right now that could fill that 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 role that Yurko is going to put on the team. So, um, I would have been more okay with it if the draft pick given up was only a fourth rounder and not a third. I think a third was too much for a for a glorified third line player. I think that's what uh, Yurko is right now. Um, and you know, this would be different if this was Richard Ponick two years ago, where you know he kind of came in and. Uh, flirted with the top line, but I mean, let's face it. Uh, Joe Quenville is not going to touch the second line. He hasn't touched that line all season. The top line uh, that's played together for ten games now in Schmaltz, Ponick, and Taves. Again, they combined for one, two, three, four points tonight. That that's not going to be broken up. Um, so he's going to be a bottom six forward. He's not going to get top six minutes. So again, I'm not sure why that was that move was made other than depth and maybe to sign him and 
expose him to the expansion draft, but I nobody's going to take him in the Vegas is not going to take him in the expansion draft. Uh, it's going to be somebody that's proven like Trevor Van Riemsdyk or uh, Marcus Kruger. It's going to be one of those two guys. We all need to pray to God that that's Marcus Kruger, but we'll we'll wait and see how that plays out. Um, so I'm not a fan of the trade. It's it's not a horrible trade, but it, it to me I would have rather had the draft pick uh, to see how that could, that could play out. Um, so discussing the other trades that were made today, uh, very head scratchingly to me, I do not understand this trade at all. For the uh, Los Angeles Kings, they traded uh, for Ben Bishop today, and I'm not I'm not sure what for. Uh, currently, in the standings, they're looking outside the playoff picture right now. I'm gonna pull the standings up here. So, um, the top three in the Central are uh, Minnesota, Chicago, and Nashville. Uh, Minnesota and Chicago are making the playoffs uh, without a doubt, and they're going to be 1-2. Uh, Nashville and St. Louis are not catching either of Minnesota or Chicago. Um, in the Pacific, San Jose has uh, got two games in hand on the uh, second team in the division, which is Anaheim, uh, Edmonton City in third. So with their two games in hand, Min- or, uh, San Jose has a five-point lead on both. Anaheim and Edmonton. Uh, Anaheim and Edmonton are currently tied uh, in second and third. The wild card right now, uh, Calgary sits way ahead of everybody at 70 points. Um, St. Louis has the final playoff spot with 67. And then Los Angeles comes in at 64. And they have two games in hand on Calgary, which would... Assuming they won both of those, put them at, let's see, 66, uh, 68, uh, a whole game behind Calgary at this point. Uh, and they're currently behind uh, St. Louis because they played the same amount of games as St. Louis. So, you know, uh, there's speculation on uh, NBCSN tonight that uh, perhaps uh, Dean Lombardi, the GM of the Los Angeles Kings, is going to make a... Uh, further move uh to help his team but i i i don't understand why you would go and get bishop because you have the arguably the best goaltender in the world in jonathan quick who just came off injured reserve now i know he just came off injured reserve but why would you go and trade for another number one starting goaltender i don't understand why you would do that because one you're going to piss either quick or uh, bishop off probably um and it's less of an impact right unless bishop is going to come in and overplay more than uh, quick which maybe is what they're going to do but i you know i that seems like a kind of a dumb trait to me uh, so we'll kind of see how that's going to play out. Um, yeah. And I don't know why Tampa made that trade either, because I think they could have got more from somebody else. 
Um, but anyway, uh, let's move on to the big trade that happened today, which, by the way, uh, to he who shall not be named, uh, who was reporting that Pittsburgh had traded for Martin Hansel, uh, make sure you're correct on who's making the trade. Uh, it was not the Pittsburgh Penguins today. It was the Minnesota Wild. Thank you very much. Um, so, uh, for those that you don't know, uh, Minnesota traded their first overall overall pick in this year's draft to the Arizona Coyotes, as well as a second-round pick in next year's draft, and a conditional pick in this year's draft, I believe as well as a prospect to um, the Phoenix Coyotes for uh, Martin Hansel and uh, I think it was, is it Ryan White, I think? I know his last name is White. Um, so... You know, they. I don't think this move is really going to matter, to be honest, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it, it's it's going to add more depth to them, but I don't. Martin Hansel is not going to play above Eric Stahl or Miko Koivu, who are going to remain their top two centers. So. Uh, Hansel's going to you know, probably be their third-line center with Eric Halla as their fourth-line center. And, and I, I'm not really sure that that trade is... I think they they way overpaid for him because he's going to be an uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. And uh, I, I don't see him sticking in Minnesota, maybe, but um, I'm not even sure they have the cap space to, to keep him, so... Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what that move, uh, is gonna, the impact of it, I guess, is gonna, uh, result in, um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, Minnesota's having a hell of a year, and I think this trade indicates that they know that their window is short, that they're, they're kind of on a, I, the iron is hot now, and that they're striking now. I think that's what this trade signals more than anything, um, because uh, you know Zach Parise is getting old, uh, Suter's getting old, Dubnik's middle age. I think I think he's just twenty nine or thirty. Um, Eric Stahl is getting old, um, you know, and. Other than I mean, Koivu's getting old, um, their their star players are aging. Their star players are older, all older, I think, for the most part, than the Blackhawks core. And they don't have a superstar on the team that's young right now, or that's coming up. So they're going, I think, for this season. I mean, they basically traded they traded their first round pick this year and their second round pick next year. Second round picks guys are nothing to sneeze at. I mean, Alex DeBronkett was the 39th pick uh in last year's draft by the Blackhawks. I'm talking about a guy that's sitting at 100 and uh I think 10 points right now. 110 or 112 in the OHL. He's put up over 300 points. He's the, for goal-scoring, all-time American-born leader in the OHL, in history. And that was a 39th pick in the second round. 
you know, whether or not DeBronkett turns out to be a, a legitimate NHL player, I think he will. I think everyone hopes he will. Um, is yet to be seen, but uh, second round picks are nothing to sneeze at, especially if the second round pick is high. Uh, and that may be the case here uh, with Minnesota. I, I'm i going to be honest with all of you guys. Minnesota has, uh, for the most part, no business being where they're at. They're a good team, which I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to dance around this here because I don't want to belittle Minnesota, but at the same point, there are other teams in the division that just have more younger talent than they do. Nashville is a prime example. Dallas is a prime example. Uh, if Lindy Ruff is not fired at the end of the season. There's something seriously wrong because Dallas is almost they're in sixth in the uh, wild card standings. They're third from last in the Western Conference. That's a team with Patrick Sharp, Tyler Sagan, Jason Spezza, uh, Stephen Johns, Antti Niemi, Kari Lettinen, Johnny Oduya. Uh, is it? I can't remember the Philpula or um, I think it might be Philpula who's down there from uh, Detroit. Um, I know it's an old guy from Detroit. Uh, they've got uh, Jordy Ben, Jamie Ben. I mean, the talent that is on that team for them to be where they're at right now is just horrible. Uh, Klingberg uh, is amazing. Uh, the, the just it's it's. Just laughable that they are where they are where they are right now. Um, so I expect Dallas probably more than any team in the division, really. Maybe Winnipeg. Winnipeg has got a lot of good young good young talent coming. Uh, the future battles in the Central for Chicago are going to be with. Uh, I think Winnipeg and Dallas. Uh, Minnesota's days are numbered uh, just because of their age. Um, St. Louis is already on the decline, I think you can see, with their level of play lately. Um, so, And Mike Yao is, is a pathetic coach. So, I mean, look, look at the difference between Yao and Boudreaux in Minnesota. So with all of that considered, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that, uh, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is I understand why Minnesota made the trade and why they gave up what they did. So, you know, with that, we've talked about the trades, we've talked about the game. So now we need to get up and talk about what's going on in social media. And it's been really just... It's been nice to have a few a few games uh, where I didn't have to, you know, um, complain. And by the before we get into that, let's just I wanna I wanna give a shout out to John Dietz. Uh, please follow him on Twitter. Uh, his Twitter handle is at John Dietz uh, D H. Um, 
he put out a statistic tonight that says Darling's save percentage improved to a 929 uh, save save percentage. Uh, he's good for second in the NHL. He also sports the fourth best goals against average at 218. His record is 15-5-2. Do we need to say any more about who the better goalie is in Chicago? Do we need to keep having this argument? I mean, it, it's it's bad. I, I, I can't say any more on that. I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Uh... It's, he's, he's, he is, he's doing what he's doing. You can't argue with, with fact. And right now the facts say that Scott Darling's the better goaltender. Um, but what I wanted to talk to on social media today, uh, I mentioned them before and I'm going to mention them again. I want to mention a specific story that was written, um, I can't believe, and here's the other thing, I will retweet my, my, um, like, podcasts, but I, I do it, like, once a day, maybe twice a day, and, you know, the reason I'm doing that is to grow hits, or, you know, if, to, because, for example, this podcast doesn't get up until late at night, so I want to make sure everybody has a chance to listen to it. Uh, This fucking blog or whatever it is, I don't know who's running it, they tweeted this story literally like six times today. And it's it's egging on Minnesota. And one hour ago, this is what what they put out. Hashtag Minnesota Wild are not Stanley Cup material. Now I'm going to, I think I'm actually going to read this article to you guys word for word and comment on on every section so first you know we, we need to give credit where credit is due so an aaron goldschmidt wrote this 12 hours ago you can find his twitter handle at uh late in the goldie whatever the fuck that means so uh here's the the headline slash you know caption above the article that says the minnesota wild have been impressive this year, leading the Western Conference with 84 points, yet they still don't check all the boxes it takes to be a Stanley Cup contender. Alright, now let's get into the story. Throughout the NHL season, everybody from ordinary fans to expert analysts make predictions on who will be the last two teams standing in the Stanley Cup final. The teams we chose at the beginning of the season are usually completely wrong, but it's still entertaining there should have been a comma there uh, for, you know, I would expect uh, for people that are writing. Um, but anyway, but it's still entertaining to look back on our decisions in retrospect. What's even more interesting is our thought process of why we chose the teams. Uh, with the NHL draft, free agency, and affiliate teams, plenty of players come and go each year in the NHL. This makes it extremely hard to tell what team has what it takes to win a championship. But in the back of our minds, we all have our own checklist. The following criteria is what I believe every Stanley Cup contender should have and what I like to call, quote, the test, end quote. Here's his uh, uh, checklist. Number one, a smart head coach. 
Number two, a strong two-way captain. Number three, Stanley Cup experience. Number four, good goaltending. Number five, solid depth. Number six, a number one defenseman. Number seven, blue chip players. He, he continues. Many people think that the Minnesota Wild poses the biggest threat to the Blackhawks in the Central Division. They do. This could be true, he says, and Minnesota may have enough this year to finally beat the Hawks. But that might be it, he says. Looking up and down the items on, quote, the test, the Wild only have about half of the criteria checked, which is too much concern. Uh, again, it's he used two as T-O. It should have been T-O-O. Again, quality of writing, folks. You need to be paying attention to these things. So he goes on, some things you can get away with in hiding, but the most obvious that you cannot hide are blue chip caliber players. Next, we'll go through each criteria and put the Minnesota Wild to quote the test. Ha ha ha. Nice play on words, buddy. So we get to his first uh, first element, a smart head coach. Uh, and he mentions their head coach, Bruce Boudreaux. So he says Bruce, uh, Bruce Boudreaux by no means is an amateur. His accomplishments in coaching include an ECHL championship with the Mississippi Sea Wolves in 1999, a Calder Memorial championship in 2006 with the Hershey Bears, uh, a Jack Adams award with the Washington Capitals in 2008, followed by a President's Trophy with the Caps in 2009. After Boudreaux couldn't get past the second round of the playoffs with the Capitals, he was fired only to be hired on as head coach with the Anaheim Ducks just days later. But after four straight seasons of losing in Game 7 in the playoffs, the Ducks parted ways with him as well. Boudreaux's newest gig has been with the Minnesota Wild. He has continued his trend of being a great regular season coach, and it's to be determined whether he can get it done with the Wild in the postseason. Based on Boudreaux's history in the playoffs, do they they do not pass this part of the test. All right, hang on. Let's see here. Bruce Boudreaux. We're going to do a little thing called fact-checking. This is what all you guys need to do uh, when you read articles like this. It's very important. Uh, it helps you sniff out the bullshit. Um, so let's... Uh, I'm, I'm going for coaching records. What I use, guys, for stats is Hockey Reference. Uh, it's hockey-reference.com. Uh, I routinely uh, look at that just to kind of see where Joel Quinville is on the uh, on the coaching record. So I want to go over his win percentage in the regular season. The playoffs are another animal. This guy has only coached uh, basically 11 seasons in the NHL. At the con- w- will be 11 seasons at the cl- conclusion of this season. So, I want to read to you guys your stats here. So, his first season was in 2007. His He came in, it looks, mid- mid-season. Uh, si- coached 61 games. His finishing record was uh, 37-17-7 and for 81 points, a win percentage of 664, finish, and the division was first. The following year, in 2008, in an 82-game schedule, 
His record was 50-24-8 for 108 points and a 659 win percentage, first place in the division finish. In 2009, in 82 games, he won 54, lost 15, 13 overtime losses, 121 points in the regular season as .738 win percentage, uh, finish in first place, obviously. 2010, 82 games, 48 wins, 23 down, 11 losses in overtime, 107-point finish, a 6-5-2 winning percentage, a finish of first place. 2011, uh, this is the season in which he was fired in Washington. In 22 games with Washington, he went 12-9-1 for 25 points, a win percentage of 568. Uh, Washington was in second place when he uh, finished there. Uh, in Anaheim, his worst, this is his worst record as a head coach. He, in 58 games, went 27-23-8 for 62 points, a 534 win percentage, finish of fifth. In 2012, his uh, the lockout season in Anaheim, he in 48 games, went 30, 12, and 6, 66 points, a 688 win percentage, finished first in the division. In 2013, in an 82 game season with Anaheim, he went 54, 28 for 116 point season, a 707 win percentage, a finish of first. In 2014 with Anaheim, he in 82 games went 51, 24, and 7, 109 point season. A .665 win percentage, and again, another first place finish. In 2015, last year, 82 games with Anaheim, he went 46, 25, and 11 for a 103 point, uh, point season, a 628 win percentage, and a yet again, a finish of first. This season, his Minnesota Wild, half at, you know, Two-thirds of the way through the season are 39-14-6 for 84 points and a 7-12 win percentage, also currently in first place. Overall in his career, he's coached 740 games. He's went 448, 206, and 86 for 982 points and a 6-6-4 win percentage. In the playoffs, he's coached 80 games. He's went 41 and 39 for a 513 win percentage. Now, this schmuck in his article says Boost Boudreaux is not a, what was it? A smart head coach. A smart head coach, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking. We are talking about a coach who in every single season except for one in his coaching career. So 10 out of 11 seasons has finished first in his division. For 10 out of 11 seasons, he's finished first. Let's see here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 9 out of those 11 seasons his win percentage was over 600. And this guy on Blackhawk Up is uh, 
suggesting that uh, I may not got well Aaron Goldschmidt again. Tweet at this guy. I want you to guys to go out there and tweet at him about how st- fucking stupid this argument is. His Twitter handle again is late in the Goldie. It's L-A-T-E-I-N-T-H-E-G-O-L-D-I-E on Twitter. This is absolutely horrific. It is things like this that trash the minds of young Blackhawks fans. Of Blackhawk fans that did not grow up watching hockey. That are, you know, we're going to leave the term bandwagon out of this. But fans that have just come to know hockey. It's stories like this that, you know, this is this is common sense, guys. He says boost the so he's his his uh check here is quote a smart head coach. Really? You're saying Bruce fucking Boudreaux, who's only in one season out of eleven, finished lower than first. In his division. You're telling me he's not a smart head coach. There are. Probably. 20 teams. In the National Hockey League. Right now. That would gladly take that record. That you know. that Those 11 seasons. So. You know. Let's, let's move on to his uh, second. Uh, second point. A strong two-way captain. He has Miko Koivu. Miko Koivu is Mr. Minnesota Wild. He says, drafted in 2001, Koivu has spent his entire NHL career in Minnesota and has been their only permanent captain in franchise history. He has placed the, played the most games in a Wild uniform and leads the team in points all time. On the year, Koivu has 17 goals and 29 assists. His team currently has a goal differential of plus 60 and is allowed the second lowest goals all year with 138. I'm not sure why you're adding that in the center or the captain part. That's a goaltending statistic. Koivu is an interesting captain, he says, because he doesn't stay in the limelight. Whatever the fuck you're going with on that. He seems mentally tough, seems mentally tough, and does play in all phases of the game, but it's still to be determined on him being a difference maker in the playoffs. Wild fans will probably beg to differ, but I'm not completely sold on Koivu. He reminds me a lot of Shane Doan or Dustin Brown, where he lets others around him take all the credit, when in reality he puts in a ton of hard work. Koivu is TBD for the test. I'm sorry, but you don't get to do that when you're arguing whether or not Miko Koivu is a strong two-way captain. Miko Koivu is routinely cited as one of the best two-way centers in the game. So, I'm sorry, buddy, but you lose on that one as well. Next one, Stanley Cup, or... No, that's not it. We're going to good goaltending. I'm sorry, my... My computer's getting a little hunky-dory here. So let's read about Devin Dubnik, what he has to say. After being a journeyman in the NHL, Devin Dubnik seems to have found a home in Minnesota. Dubnik was originally drafted by the Edmonton Oilers, but after five years there, he was traded to Nashville in 2013. 
He spent time with the Preds and Coyotes until finally breaking out with the Wild in 2014. Sometimes athletes just need a change of scenery to be successful. Whether it's the pressure of the city, the press, or the fans, certain players thrive in different cities and systems. For Dubnik, he needed to be in a system committed to their defensive game. This year, Dubnik will be a Vezina Trophy finalist going 32-11 with a 2.01 goals against average so far this season. The Minnesota Wild absolutely have good goaltending for the postseason period pass this test. I want to correct you in this. Devin Dubnik is not going to be a Vezina Trophy finalist this season. He's going to run away with the Vezina Trophy this season. Let's, if there's a, if we could pinpoint one reason why the Minnesota Wild are number one in their, in the Central Division and atop the Western Conference, it's Devin Dupnik. Let's move on. Okay, so we're talking about solid depth now. He says the Wild's greatest strength has to be their depth. They currently have 10 players with double-digit goals, 6 players with over 40 points. Most of the Wild's players are homegrown and in their mid-20s. Their speed and forecheck make them dangerous, especially if they're rowing four lines. The defense is just deep as the forwards. Second in the league with goal differential of plus 60. The Wild defensemen are keeping the puck out of the net, which matters the most in the playoffs. Again... No mention of Dubnik here. Uh, their young defensemen have grown up and, are, and have some playoff experience, making them less of a liability on the ice. They also have some players that have some nice offensive ability like Jared Spurgeon and Ryan Suter, who are assist machines. This summer could be interesting for the Wild, considering they have key players with expiring contracts. Michael Granlin, Neo Niederreiter, and Eric Kala are all pending restricted free agents. We'll see if they're able to hold on to them all. Pass. This may be his best written part of this article. Number one defenseman, Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter is a minute-eating machine. He generally is in the top three for ice time in the league. He rarely turns over the puck, he plays in all scenarios, and consistently finds open players for goals. That's what makes him a great assistant captain. But in a recent game versus the Blackhawks, some started to question his leadership. In a game sent to overtime this year with the Blackhawks, Suter took a bad retaliation penalty against Marion Hossa, resulting in the game-winning goal. Come playoff time, you cannot leave your team shorthanded, especially facing a team like the Blackhawks. Suter has all of the qualities of a great top defenseman, so his contributions will be key to the Wilds' playoff run this year. Solid number one defenseman is important because you need that player to be in key situations on both ends of the ice. They will also be going up against the top line of the opposing team all night and must be as mistake-free as they possibly can to be determined. If, if you guys need to do this, rewind the podcast when you're listening to this and go back and listen to what I just said. And, and, and that's if you are not reading this article for yourself. This guy just salivated at Ryan Suter's jockstrap, calling him top three in the league. He called him top three in the league in minutes. 
I'm not going to look that one up. I don't know if it's factually accurate. It would take me too long to look at that, you know, year to year. However, if you're going to make that kind of a statement, and because the guy took one bad penalty, repeat, one bad penalty in one game, you're questioning his leadership? Fuck off. Really? Wow. Again, context, people. Context. You need to be checking this when you're reading these articles. So this is final and last category, which is blue chip players. I haven't actually read this yet. I stopped at, uh, I think it was uh, Boudreaux. <laughs> so I didn't get very far into this article, but it's been fun reading it. So let's let's read the last part of it. Blue chip players. Team USA had... Why this is in here, I don't know. I thought we were talking about uh, Minnesota, but let, let's read this. Team USA head coach Herb Brooks once said that, quote, great moments come from great opportunities. Great. I'm glad you watched Miracle last night, the great Disney film about the 1980 Olympic ice hockey team. Good for you, buddy. The ultimate difference between good teams and great teams is their amount of talent on the ice and how the talent is utilized. I'm going to read that again. This is an important sentence. The ultimate difference between good teams and great teams is the amount of talent on the ice and how that talent is utilized. <laughs> you don't say. I didn't fucking need you to point that out to me, Joe Schmo, but thanks. From a spectator's perspective, it can be easily identified who are the stars on the team and who the role players are. Interesting. Not sure every spectator knows who the stars and role players are, but okay. Uh, you clearly don't, because you don't. You can't even write this article properly. Uh, when the game is on the line, you want the ball in your superstar's hands, or in the case, the puck on their stick. No, really. Next paragraph. The Minnesota Wild are comprised of several, quote, red chip players. I have no idea where he's going with this, guys, so just bear with me. And many depth role players. Okay, okay, hang on, hang on. I'm going to repeat again. If you guys need to rewind this podcast, the title and the check uh, mark in this quote, the test that he's running down, the title of this section is... Quote, blue chip players. Now let me reread the start of this second paragraph. The Minnesota Wild are compromised of several, quote, red chip players and many depth role players. Red chip players are just below blue chip. I'd, okay. Oh, okay. Meaning they are very good, but not elite the Wild have proven all year that they will be a fast, hard-working team that will not be easy to play against, but they will be game-planning around other teams with stars, not vice versa. Who knows? It's possible a blue-chip emerges player emerges in the playoffs for the Wild, but up to this point, nobody on their team... Oh my god. 
I'm sorry. This is just comical. Let me. I'll, I gotta get this last. Uh, these. Oh shit! There's more than one paragraph left. Okay, hang on. Uh, here's a writer's tip to you guys. He has an in conclusion paragraph, and then he has one, two, three paragraphs after it. So let's read the paragraph before the conclusion. Who knows? It's possible a blue chip player emerges in the playoffs for the Wild. But up to this point, nobody on their team has shown elite skill. Yet you just said Ryan Suter was a top uh, three player in minutes in the NHL. And you're also forgetting Zach Parisi, my friend. But let's continue. It's also possible that the Wild make a big trade for elite talent, which could change a lot. But until they establish those players, it will be hard to win close playoff games. So, Eric Stahl, who was the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes for years, won a Stanley Cup. In fact, he's uh, one of two players, I believe, on the team that has a ring. Is not an elite player. Okay? Zach Parise, who has a cup with New Jersey, I believe, is also not an elite player. Even though the Blackhawks tried to pry him away from New Jersey before Minnesota signed him in that offseason. Right. Devin Dubnik, the guy that's running away with the Vizina Trophy. Not... A blue chip player, folks. Not according to this schmuck. Let's get to his conclusion. In conclusion, the Wild are a very, very good hockey team right now. They have assembled their team right by building through the draft. But the lack of elite talent coaching <laughs> coaching success... And team leadership will prevent them from winning the Stanley Cup trophy. Let's go through all three of those. So, their lack of elite talent. We just went through that one with Eric Stahl, Zach Parise, Ryan Suter, Devin Dubnik, uh, Miko Koivu. Uh, they just added Martin Hansel, but we'll give him a break on that one because he wasn't acquired before this was written. But you get the idea. They have elite talent, my friend. Uh, lack of coaching success. Uh, we ripped you to shreds on that one to start this podcast. Uh, I would say a coach that has never finished lower than first, except for one season in the National Hockey League, has coaching success, you moron. And team leadership will prevent them from winning the Stanley Cup. There's any team that doesn't need more leadership. It's probably Minnesota. Uh, Chicago and Minnesota have probably more leadership than most teams in the NHL. They're at least both top five. You've got two guys that have won a cup. You've got Ryan Suter, who you pointed out is one of the best defensemen in terms of minutes and lack of turnovers in the league. Not to mention they have one of the best coaches in the league. So apparently leadership is somehow a problem to you. Could they beat the Blackhawks? Absolutely. Well, it doesn't sound like it the way you wrote this article. 
But getting out of the Central Division is just the first step. The Blues found out and found that out the hard way last year when they lost to the Sharks in the conference final. The Blackhawks took them to seven games in the first round and definitely took a lot out of the Blues. So, the first round. Weren't there two other rounds before the conference final? I mean, I didn't really watch the, most of the playoffs last year uh, after the Blackhawks were eliminated, but pretty sure there's a few other teams that they have to play uh, Johnny B. Good before they get to the Sharks. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that one, buddy. I guess you're saying the Stars didn't take anything out of uh, St. Louis last year. Fuck me. Uh, but, you know, we gotta give credit to our Blackhawks. Uh, alright, end of the article here. Right now, the Wilder, to me, what the Washington Capitals have been the last few years. They're a great regular season team built to win, but they need to prove it. Win the big one, and I'll stand corrected. <laughs> like, it's easy to win a Stanley Cup. It's the hardest championship to win in sports. The fact that the Blackhawks have won three in the last seven years is a miracle. <laughs> Granted, I think the Hawks are lined up to win a maximum of an additional five more uh, with their current, you know, court group of players. But Jesus Christ, man. This is what I'm talking about, guys. Like, wow. <laughs> if if you needed any more of a, a proof that this guy has no idea what he's talking about or that Blackhawk Up, you know, I talked about how Blackhawk Up had us in, at Quinnipiac writing their stories. I don't know who this guy is that wrote it, this Aaron Goldschmidt. But wow, wow, it that just bad, really bad. Um, I I really I I really don't know what to say to that guys. That it's, it's awful, absolutely awful, ladies and gentlemen. So you know. With that in mind, uh, I, I, I'm I'm gonna kind of wrap this up. Um, it's a great game tonight, guys. Thanks for indulging me on that story uh, for the absolute horrible reporting that's going on for Blackhawks. Um, we're approaching an hour, so let's wrap this up. Um, if you if you guys haven't yet, and you guys are just finding our podcast, we just got on iTunes. Um, we're under our, our parent, uh, the killer review. So, uh, go, go over to iTunes, click podcasts, uh, type in the killer review, uh, subscribe to our channel, give us a five star rating that five star rating will get us uh, published on iTunes and will help grow our uh, audience and give us, give us some comments and feedback and what you'd like to see on the podcast. Um, you know things that we can improve on. I would I would 
very much when we get the podcast going up and running with more listeners and more followers like to do a mailbag uh for you guys but until we get to that point we're gonna hold off on that so uh let's let's get you guys hooked up with the channel and uh listening on a regular basis so um you guys can follow me on social media at twitter on uh or on twitter at mcbrooklyn 48 i appreciate you guys listening tonight and uh we'll talk to you next time guys Is going down right now. So let you motherfucking haters know.